Welcome to the Health Fix Podcast, where health junkies get their weekly fix of tips, tools, and techniques to have limitless energy, sharp minds, and fit physiques for life. Hey, Health Junkies. On this episode of the Health Fix Podcast, I'm interviewing Brian Grin. He's a personal trainer, golfer, author, and host of the Eat Lean and Get Clean podcast. He specializes in helping middle-aged men, but also women, transform their health and their lives. And in this podcast, we are talking all about how one partner can influence the other one to get healthy and, and how really you can get your body back to what it was 10, 15 years ago, but how you don't want to use the same techniques you would have done 10, 15 years ago. Brian has some very interesting tips. He's well-versed in all aspects of health and fitness, and he's, he's got some great insight. So if you're looking to inspire your partner to get healthy and you're wanting to help inspire the whole family, this is the podcast for you. Or if you're just wanting to learn a little bit more about what one-on-one fitness consulting or fitness training is like, what folks are like out there, and you want to learn a little bit more about Brian's fat-burning blueprint, this is a podcast for you. So let's introduce you to Brian Grin. All right, health junkies, welcome to another episode of The Health Fix. I have Brian Grin on today, and we're going to be talking about a couple different things. He has a six-month fat burner blueprint program that we have to talk about, but we also have a book coming out, The Stepladder System, Six Steps to Lifelong Health and Vitality. So you guys got to jump in because we're going to be talking all things health here, and I'm sure Brian's got some good stuff for us. So Brian, welcome to The Health Fix Podcast. Thanks, Janine. Thanks for having me on. So looks like you've been in the health and wellness industry for about a decade or so now and kind of dove in and, and got your, your feet wet with all kinds of information. I kind of, of course, stalk most people before I bring them on the podcast. And looks like you are focusing on helping guys in particular. And of course, a lot of my folks know that my podcast is about more women, but there's a lot of women who ask me, hey, what can we do for the men? And so tell us a little bit about how you got into the industry of helping men to lose some weight and burn some fat. Well, um, I mean, my journey started back uh, actually probably almost 20 years now. Um, I, uh, I was helping mainly men and women with resistance training at a studio and just sort of grew from there. I've been uh, decided to hone in more on men. I felt like it was a market that was maybe underutilized. And I felt like I could relate as I was getting, as I got into my 40s, I'm 42. And so, uh, yeah, I just felt like it was underutilized. And um, a lot of times men, they don't necessarily want to ask for help, but they need it. Um, and they and, and being held accountable is, I think, the biggest part of it. So, yeah, I just started consulting with men in, uh, over the last few years. Just taking my experience that I've had, you know, with, you know, with, with resistance training with, you know, I got a bunch of nutrition background and then I just have been uh, going with it ever since. So. All right. All right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I did notice you've got some training with the Primal Blueprint folks. We love those guys over there here on the podcast. And so definitely some good stuff. And I also noticed, of course, while I was looking at more information that you talk about fasting, you've got some courses about fasting and things like that. So we'll jump into that here in a little bit. Now, with the fat burning conundrum, let's put it this way, a lot of us tend to notice over 35, 30, the, the fat just starts to hang on and we're like, wait, I haven't really changed much. What's going on? Can you shed a little light on what happens, you know, with guys or gals as we start to get older and why the fat starts to slowly just creep on a little bit in terms of what you've seen? Yeah. You know, well, a lot of times what happens is we don't uh, prioritize our health over like our you know, other things, maybe like work or, or even like just family, not to say that those aren't important. They are, but you know, if you're not prioritizing your health and you're putting other things on the back burner, eventually it's going to catch up to you. And so I find that a lot, especially with men, they get caught up in their career and they have just other things that get in their way and they don't, they just, like I said, they don't make it a priority. So I think that's first and foremost, um, you know, sarcopenia is a big issue, um, with men and women, and that's losing muscle mass, you know, decreases as, as we age, right? Um, approximately like, I think it's like three to 8% per decade after the age of 30. Um, and that decline can go even greater after we pass the age of 60. So I think that is a, you know, losing muscle mass strength and function is a big reason why perhaps we're seeing a change in our body composition as we get older. Yes, for sure. For sure. I think a lot of people don't want to think about it that way, you know, and, and unfortunately, as we age, we do have some certain things that happen. So with all of, you know, obviously, you've created a blueprint to kind of help folks. So you've learned a few things along the way that are like little tricks, little things that we should be paying attention to. Obviously, first and foremost, you know, paying paying attention to ourselves, maybe as much as we pay attention to our career, because, well, yes, I would agree even with myself, as much as I have in the background of knowledge, I still even fell victim to a little bit of that too. So mm-hmm. let's start with, with sharing with folks kind of over your experience of the last 20 plus years, like what, what kind of other things have you found to be extremely effective for helping folks with fat burning? Well, I mean, I think one of the, you know, I talk a lot about fasting. I mean, fasting is something in my viewpoint has changed a little bit over the years, as I'm sure Jean, you've been in the health industry for a while. Like you start to just learn more and, and, and self-experiment and things like that. You know, as far as fasting is concerned, I think the biggest thing that it can do for people is just give them boundaries for their days, for their days, as far as like when they're going to eat. Um, for example, I'll just like an easy one is like, okay, I'm going to stop eating after seven o'clock or after eight o'clock. And what that does, it sort of takes out late night snacking and, and right there alone can help individuals just get control of their eating, you know, sort of their eating habits or the things that are sort of uh, being the biggest culprits to making them put on excess weight. And that's late night snacking. And a lot of times we're not late night snacking on like healthy things. We're eating, we're eating junk and processed foods. So, you know, I think that's the biggest thing that I found that has been great with implementing you know, some type of fasting. I do think you can overdo fasting. So um, it is a stressor on the body, just like, you know, exercise is a stressor, um, carb, uh, carb restriction, calorie restriction. Those are all stressors. So you have to be careful as far as like what you're going to do and you don't want to stack them 
too much, but I think starting off the bat, doing something like that can, can go a long way. So, um, I don't know if that answered your question, but that, yeah. that I, that I, I like, you know, I, I take a step ladder approach, hence my book. And I think that is a sort of a good place to start for uh, most people. Yeah, no, I I agree with you that over the years, my my approaches have kind of changed a little because back in the day, I'd be like, awesome, let's like try not to eat for, you know, the, the three day, the five day, the seven day window, let's try that one. And then, oh, maybe everyone should be doing a one meal a day kind of fast thing. And as you know, it sounds like you kind of have been your N of one as well, kind of trying things out on yourself and figuring yeah. things out, you know, as to what happens. Now, I've heard a lot of talk lately and and seen it in my practice too and granted I work with a lot more women than men but I'm curious as to what you've seen since you work more with men women tend to really struggle sometimes past like that 14 to 16 hour window of fasting does that seem to be true for guys too or is it a little bit different yeah I think so I mean I think any anytime you're going from maybe eating the standard American diet and eating all the time to trying to sort of close that eating window a little bit individuals are going to struggle. So I think men or women, depending on where they start, it's going to be a bit of a struggle. That's why I think it, it's best to sort of ease your way into that that eating window that you are going to have. But I will say this, I I, I think that like, just because more isn't always better. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I think I think when I first started doing fasting, you know, I got into like 16, eight, and then I would push, 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 push. And you know, your body will adapt, like you can do it. But does that mean it's optimal? probably not, you know, like, can you get enough protein? Can you get enough nutrients in a four hour window? I think it's tough for some people, even though that seems oh four hours, but you're not eating for four hours, right? You're probably having, like you said, one meal. So I typically, especially now, since my views have changed a bit, like to get, even if you can get three meals in that time period, I think that's sufficient. Um, you know, especially like we said, as we're getting older, um, I mean, how much protein can you really get in one meal? You know, not that much realistically, right? So I think it's important to have multiple meals spaced out, but make sure that um, you're not trying to just stuff it into a two-hour window. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's hard. And well, I've kind of seen for a lot of people trying to stuff the food into one meal, they have digestive issues that come up, like right, right. loading and things. Now, another question for you about how like kind of how you've seen things play out in terms of different sets of fasting. So meaning kind of like the three day versus the seven day, or if, if you even recommend for folks to even try like a one day a week kind of fast anymore, just, just out of curiosity. Yeah. I mean, you know, you see this like five two approach where you eat normally for five days and then you have two days of like really low calorie restricted meal days. I think it's less than like 500 calories. And they'll call it like the five, two approach. I mean, honestly, I don't think there's a perfect one. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I've tried a bunch of different ones and, and, and see what's worked best. Um, I think it's the one that sort of fits into your lifestyle and that you can do consistently. Um, and I would just say that I think you have to be careful sometimes when you can overdo it because then then you get into calorie restrictive modes and i don't necessarily think that is beneficial as well um i'm you know i think calories and calories out it plays a role but i think it's too it's it's too simplistic and um you just got to be careful if you're you know if you're 180 pound, 180 pound male 
and you're eating, you know, I would say track calories, see what you're eating. But if you're eating 1500 calories, um, like a day, that's just not enough. And so, um, you just got to be careful when you get into fasting because you can take it off pretty quick, but for a lot of people it can get, it, it's unsustainable for uh, over a long period of time. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that kind of happen where you can, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing amazing. And then you go back to like your normal plan of eating and then there, there comes all the weight back on same kind of thing I found happening kind of in the keto realm of things as well. And one of the things that us women kind of look at, we go, oh man, guys can drop weight so much easier than us. We get jealous. Just, just saying, um, it's a thing. And so with with all these different diets, I, I noticed on your website that you noticed that you or that you mentioned you're not into counting calories and you're looking more at helping someone just eat a whole foods diet. Do you find that with guys like women, that guys struggle too with trusting themselves with food and food choices? Is that a thing? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, you know. I think it's, I think if you want to track calories for a week or two and just see where you're at, I think that's not bad. Um, but I just find compliance over the long term is tough with people. And even myself, sometimes when I'll track, I'll track for a day and then you won't track for weeks. I don't, so I don't think you need to do it every day. I think it's one of those things you can just see where you're at every so often just to get a feel for it. Like I've been actually trying to consume more calories and just seeing how that affects my performance um, and everything else. Um, I think it's important too, like, you know, to get, seeing like hormonal levels and seeing how, you know, you know, like TSH, you know, cholesterol, prolactin, vitamin D, you know, parathyroid hormone, you know, things like this, um, getting hormones me measured, I think is important as well. Um, and you know, thyroid's a big thing. Like I just had Danny Roddy on who's part of sort of this pro metabolic, um, sphere and, uh, yeah, he, he they, they're big on trying to get you know, get that thyroid working better, <laughs> get that metabolism revved up. And sometimes when you're doing a lot of stressors, um, like we mentioned before, you know, over fasting excessively or carb restricting excessively or, um, what else, uh, calorie restricting excessively, you can actually slow things down. And, and, and that's where you got to sort of find that balance. I think these stressors can be, can be beneficial from time to time, but, if, if, if you're not getting, you know, and that's another thing, if you're not getting good sleep and, um, and, and some of these other pillars of health, like sleep and stress, if, if, if those are being just sort of taken to the limits, then all this other stuff's not going to probably pay, pay much benefit for you. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So do you recommend like as part of your ladder system, do you recommend having your, your guys that work with you do like a full panel of labs as they're working through the system? Yeah, I do. I mean, first, you know, one of the things we'll do is we'll do like a DEXA scan. I think that's a good one for like just getting a baseline of, you know, body mass and, um, you know, lean mass and fat mass and bone mass and things like that. Um, you know, it's not like, uh, I shouldn't say it's not like a requirement as far as blood work is concerned, but if they haven't done it in a while, I always recommend it. I think it's important to get those, those, uh, uh you know, those measures, uh, those labs measured. And, um, at least we have something just in case there's some glaring things that stick out. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, well, what I see in my practice, a lot of guys will come in and they're like, yeah, I just want to lose weight. I want to bulk up. And the first thing they think about is testosterone. And mm. it's, you know, and I, I noticed that was not something that you even mentioned. You mentioned everything else, the thyroid, the, oh, you know, yeah. prolactin looking in the brain, things of that nature, but you didn't mention testosterone, which I find fascinating because honestly, I, I like that. I'm going to be honest with you because I feel like we need to kind of get away from testosterone is the solution to everything. Not that it's not part of it. It's just, there's so much more that contributes to it as well. And I'm guessing you've probably found the same thing since you didn't mention it. Yeah. I mean, I, you can't obviously <laughs> getting total testosterone or free testosterone measured is, is I wouldn't shy people away from that, but yeah, you can sort of get caught up and, Oh, I just need to increase it more and more and more. And, and and that's when you can sort of go down that rabbit hole. Um, I think if you're, you know, sometimes you just got to focus on the process and see where it takes you a little bit. You know, it is good to, to see where your testosterone is, but not sort of get too caught up in that. Because if you're doing some of these other lifestyle changes, you know, managing stress, exercising, <laughs> you know, getting good sleep, quality sleep, then, you know, the, the other things will hopefully take care of themselves. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And so with your, with your step ladder system, after you've kind of got someone started, maybe considering the fasting, going through that, what would be like another step in the system? Obviously we want people to read your book, um, but oh, okay. yeah. give us some more, give us some more nuggets there. Like what else could folks be looking at in, in, in that system? What other kind of things do you recommend? Yeah. I mean, we talk about mindset. Um, I do think that's important. I think that's something that maybe gets overlooked, but just creating some type of clarity, you know, getting crystal clear on your why, um, understanding, you know, what maybe some of these patterns that you've been doing in the past, what, you know, how have they hindered your progress, right? So this is something we'll talk about. Um, we also just get into uh, identifying like the major culprits that might be um, hampering you. So we try to get small wins right off the bat. I think that's important as well. Um and then, you know, obviously we get into upgrading, I call it like an activity upgrade where, you know, again, if you're going to the gym, you know, what are you doing? Um, how are you, how are you making it as efficient as possible? I think that's just important. Um, middle-aged males, you know, they're busy. You don't necessarily even go, need to go to the gym for, for most people you can get work done. And I, and I have in, in the book, I also offer some bonuses where you can, you know, just sort of do stuff in your basement, you know, build muscle in your basement, I think I call it. So, you know, I think you can be efficient from that standpoint, because I think the less obstacles, you, the more obstacles you take out of the way, the, the more consistent you're going to be over time. And if you're making excuses because the gym takes an hour and a half, then maybe that's not the right thing for you to do. Maybe you should be just going in your basement and doing a 20 minute micro workout and it's more than doable. Sure, sure. Yeah. No, identifying obstacles, I think, is huge, especially when we're looking at someone who has, you know, wife, kids, family members, you know, whether like however it plays out for them and then career on top of it, for sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, with your programs, are you recommending certain workouts? Do you have certain styles of workouts that that you find have been more beneficial? Yeah, a couple options. I mean, I, there's not a one size fit all. It depends on also the past history of this individual and what they've done. Like I've lifted for a while now, 20 plus years, but I've tried different styles. Um, I think for men, 
I, there's a system I've had him on my podcast a few times, Dr. Jake wish it's called the X three bar and it's something you can do at home. It's with resistance bands. There's a, like a, I don't know, 18 inch Olympic bar. There's a ground plate that comes with it. Um, really efficient and can be done in 20, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Um, so that is, is something that I do work a lot of, of my, my male clients with, and I talk about it in the book, but again, you can do stuff in your basement with a few, you know, body weight. Let's just say, you know, if you're just starting out, I think body weight exercises, you can get plenty done just with that. Okay. Okay. Nice. I think, you know, that's a huge barrier for a lot of people because maybe some people haven't lifted since high school or they're thinking like, I need to go back to that. And that's something that I talk to my women a lot about. And I saw on your, on your website too, about let's get you looking back. Like you, you know, Uh, but I think a lot of people think, oh, if I need to look like that, then I've got to go back to the same bro set workouts I was doing, you know, in the gym in the nineties. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that for a second in terms of pros, cons, and how our body actually changes as we get older and some of these things aren't as great. Well, I think the biggest thing that uh, I address is, is avoiding injury. <laughs> you know, it's like, I think when you're young, you're like, oh, you can do everything. And even if you do get injured, you bounce back pretty quick. But when you're older, you don't bounce back as quick. So, so we don't want to have that lost time where maybe we lose months if we hurt ourselves. So like, you know, obviously I don't play basketball anymore. I don't do a lot of things that I did when I, 20 years ago. So I think that's, that's like step number one is trying to find a way to build resistance training into your life with, um, minimizing joint, you know, pain and injury. I think those are the big things. And, but, but, but also you got to lift a little bit. You got to get, you actually lift to lift something heavy to build muscle. (laughs) It can't just be super light, you know, hundred reps sort of thing. So you got to find that sort of that fine line between, you know, building muscle, but also just protecting your joints and avoiding injury. Makes sense. Makes sense. Where are you at on cardiovascular conditioning? Where, what do you guys, what do you talk about? What's, what's your jam with the conditioning and the heart stuff, heart rate variability? Well, yeah. I mean, cardio, gosh, cardio. Here's the thing. So I I'll say that I think first and foremost, like walking is like one of the greatest health hacks. I feel like, I think if you can get outside, get some sun on your face, well, if you're in the Midwest, good luck with that, but get some sun on your face. Although the sun is still out, even if the clouds are right. So you will get uh, some, it, it, some sun. So first thing I do in the morning is I go for a walk with my dogs. Um, and even if they're not there, like I'll still go. <laughs> so um, I think going for a walk is just a simple thing you can do. You know, if, as far as like other ways of cardio, I'm not a big, like, okay, let's go on the elliptical for an hour. Like, I, I think that can just be a waste of time. You're better off doing some type of high high intensity uh, training, but n- not over. You know, again, this is a stressor. So I would say that um, I had a gentleman. I name is uh, I'm getting a blank, but he had a philosophy called the Hurt High Intensity Repeat Training, where you're doing a let's just say you're on a bike, right? You don't need to you don't need to run sprints. Sprinting would be great, right? But sprinting can you know injury risk goes up. Um, you know, hamstring pulls, things like that. So let's just say a bike, right? You got maybe a recumbent bike, or, um, I have like a rogue echo bike, which are like the heavy duty ones. And those things you could literally go 10 seconds effort, you know, full out effort rest until you can do those, that same amount of effort the next time around. 
Um, I think a lot of times what happens with high intensity is people don't give themselves enough time to recover to do the next quick repetition or whatever they're doing. So, um, yeah, and you could do that, I would say, like five to eight times. And literally, that'll take probably take you, I mean, eight minutes <laughs> and you're done. And, you know, high intensity exercise, there's plenty of research showing, you know, helping with, you know, fat loss and even helping boost metabolism and, and, um, and even testosterone levels potentially. I have, I've heard the same. I've heard the same. And, and technically, you know, I, I actually, who was it? It was Dave Asprey. I just heard him talking not too long ago about the two, like two days a week doing the sprint work. And I kept thinking to myself, well, what if you've not sprinted since you were like, yeah, what do you I do? <laughs> I, yeah. I was going to say, you know, that's why I said sprint work doesn't need to be sprinting. It can be on a bike. It can yeah. be on a row machine. It could be in the pool. Um, and I would say maybe I would start out doing it once, once a week or once every seven to 10 days, especially if it's, you know, like I do a lot of boxing and I used to do a lot of boxing and Muay Thai and I just started back up. But like, you know, you, you overdo that. Like, I think I did like 45 minutes of it. I was like done for like, a, it, it took, I, it, it knocked my body out. So you got to sort of find the, find that sort of like sweet spot and definitely start slow. If you've never done any type of high intensity exercise. Very, very good advice. Cause I think a lot of us too, you know, if we've been out of the game for a little bit and then we get inspired, like maybe we do see a fight or something on TV and like, right. I used to do that. And you know, college yeah. again, and then, yeah, then you're out for like a week. So I'm guessing that you're working with folks on their intuition and, and kind of smart easing in, or obviously meeting them where they're at too. Cause I, gathering that you probably look at with your systems, maybe someone who just kind of let themselves go in the last year and built up some fat compared to someone who hasn't worked out in the last 20 years or so. Yeah. I mean, it's a mixed bag, but yeah, there's some people who, who haven't done anything in 10, 15 years. There's others who, you know, they're actually in decent shape. They're in pretty good shape. They just are like having trouble with those last maybe 10 to 15 pounds. Um, so it, it is a mixed bag, but yeah. Guys have trouble with the last 10 to 15 pounds. Ladies, do you hear this? We're not alone. This is something I, I'm I'm sorry, I have to say it because I think there is this bias in, in my world with women where we kind of feel like guys don't have the same struggles as us. But... Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised. You know, there's a lot of men who just, and, and, and what happens is if when they sort of let themselves go is they just, they start to lose confidence. You know, they don't, with their shirts off or whatever it is. It, yeah. So it, ha yeah, it's, it's the same thing with men. I love that you tell me that because my husband, you know, he says, we all want to be like, and now I'm going to, of course, blank on the guy's name. Oh boy. Anyway, it was in the movie Top Gun when they're playing volleyball and they start ripping off their shirts, right? Yeah. <laughs> like he's like, that's what every dude wants, you know, to, to be like, and yes, confidence is a huge, huge factor. And you're talking about mindset around fitness, around probably health and wellness in general, what are some of the the things you go through to help support mindset? What are some of your tricks, tips? Well, first and foremost, you know, I, I, I want to know why I'm talking to this individual, like what is really driving them to come? Was it like a lot of times I feel like with men, it's like some type of like 
like a fail, like it could be a failed stress test or um, they've like, they feel like they can't, you know, walk the stairs as well as they used to, or get around the golf course as well as they used to. So, which is, you know, th that might be the reason they come to me, but there's sort of an underlying, there's, there's a deeper sort of rooted reason. And I think, you know, you might not get to that right away. I think it takes time um, to figure that out, but, you know, ha understanding what's truly driving them um, will, is, is key because when, you know, whatever they're trying to get, whatever their goal is, it's not going to be a straight linear line up, right. To get there, there's going to be bumps and plateaus and ups and downs. And I think if you're really in tuned with the reasonings behind, well, you know, why you want to do certain things, then you're, you're more apt to stick to it. And so I think that is just first and foremost, just creating that clarity um, on that why is just truly important. I noticed you mentioned that before connecting to the why, and I, I definitely use it in my programs. And I think for a lot of folks who are listening, you know, if we've got some women listening who are trying to think about what they can do with their husbands, you know, how to inspire them. Well, if, if the individual doesn't have a strong enough why, it makes it really hard to get results. Would you not agree? Yeah. And also just for women with, with that, you know, have men and maybe they, they want it more than the men want it. I think, you know, the, the their husband is going to need to come to their own conclusion as to what, as to wanting to do it. They can't, you know, the, the, the wife or the, the, the significant other of that, of that partner is not going to be, if they're, if they want it more than their partner wants it, then the, that partner is not going to really do it. Right. Like they're going to do it because they really want to do it. And th so they have to come to that own conclude their own conclusion on their own. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, something, a good reminder. Let's put it that way. A really good. And you know what I would say for women that are getting in shape or doing things or putting in these healthy habits, um, keep doing that because if, if, if you're, if it's like anything, if you surround yourself with, so, you know, like I find like with my wife, she wasn't into weightlifting when I first met her, we've been together, not, you know, we've been together like three years. And so now she's in the weightlifting. Why? Well, she's seeing me do it. And she's like, Oh, I need to start doing that. And I didn't even, I don't even think I, you know, I might've said stuff from time to time that how important it is, but I think it was a combination of that. And the fact that she just saw me do it all the time. It's, you know, it's the same thing with your kids, right? If you're start, if you're working out every other day and your kids see that they're going to, they're, you know, I think their chances of doing that later on are much, much greater. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think so. Oh my goodness. Yeah. There's so many things that getting healthy benefits, the whole family, I guess, is kind of yeah. the concept to kind of share with folks. So let's talk a little bit about your, your fat burner blueprint program. Now, how, how, like, what's the structure? How can folks get involved? Give us a little scoop in terms of logistics there. Yeah. So it's a six month program and, you know, my book, which, uh, well, I guess when this airs, it'll be out. Mm -hmm. uh, my book, pretty that the, the whole idea with the book was to encapsulate encapsulate what this blueprint was all about, and so it, it it takes you step by step through it. But the program itself, you know, I've just created a system that I work clients through. It's six steps, and we've talked about you know clarity and and you know creating wins and activity upgrade. Um, you know. And the other three we haven't talked as much on, but that's sleep, stress, and then nutrition and meal timing. 
so essentially I work with clients one-on-one through this program and the system, and it's not a one size fits all, obviously, but I do have sort of things that I, I take in each individual through and, um, yeah, we, you know, we talk once a week and we, you know, we make sure that, you know, we're, we're, we're getting through the program or focusing on the things that that individual needs to focus on in order to obviously create some type of long-term term sustainable health goals. So it's a one-on-one program that is, is a one-on-one for a lot of people, because that's what, one of the things I've heard is like, Oh man, I don't want to share in a group. I like the one-on-one. And so I wanted to highlight that one-on-one program, (laughs) (laughs) which is, which is awesome. Cause a lot of people are going towards the group models and I mean, there's benefit and everything. Right. But I, I like that folks can kind of take it and, and tweak it to, you know, to their individual needs. Now you had mentioned, of course, there was a couple of things that you didn't cover and, and meal timing and sleep. Let's, let's give folks a little bit of kind of a synopsis there in terms of how to explore their sleep, how to explore their meal timing and finding something that might fit for them. Yeah. So sleep obviously depends on the individual, but I think one of the things that I I do implement with a lot of clients is creating a routine. Um, you know, our lives are built around routines, whether we like it or not. And these could be routines that are working for us or against us. And so we want to create a routine that's working for us. That's how going to help implement, that's going to help, um, initiate positive sleep habits. So getting up and going for a walk is actually part of a sleep routine. If, if that like sounds like, but like getting up and, and just getting your circadian rhythm, um, and seeing sunlight, um, right off the bat can help your sleep. Right. So, um, I think creating a type of sleep routine, not only in, in the evening where you have sort of maybe a wind down time and a time where you can turn off devices and maybe read or meditate if, you know, not everyone's into meditation, but, but some type of like mindfulness, um, towards the end of your day, I think that's, 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 that can go a long way, but we build a r- routine that fits into what they're doing. Um, and so they can do it consistently, but, um, I think that's important is building these routines around, um, you know, sleep, stress, eating anything and, and trying to make those habitual. And and so it's long-term and not just, Oh, I've done it for a month and I'm done. <laughs> so <laughs> no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Routines, habits, that kind of thing. One of the, the biggest things that I struggle with in, in my personal family with, uh, fellas is their wind down routine of drinking. And so what's, what's your take on, on all of that and kind of how do you address it with folks? Yeah, well, drinking, um, I think it's one of those things where a little bit is okay, but a lot of times if you start relying on it, I think like any of these things, like, um, if you're relying on alcohol to wind down and down, you're finding that's just continues. Like it's same thing. Like, are you relying on caffeine to wake up? Right. Like, um, I, I use caffeine, I use coffee, but I use it more as like a pre-workout and it's not something that I like rely upon right first waking. I always recommend clients to wait a little bit if they're going to have coffee, maybe like an hour after they wake up. Um, and so with, with drinking, I think moderation is fine. Um, but I'll say that if you find that you're sort of relying on that, then perhaps try to make it so it's not like an everyday thing, (laughs) you know, like that way you can 
your body sort of doesn't sort of rely on it. Um, have it every other day and days that you don't have it, you know, you, you know, find other ways to wind down and experiment. It, it is a bit of a self-experimentation thing, but, um, so I, I again, I'm, I, it's not like I cut off alcohol for every client, but I think that it's important to just, uh, be aware of, you know, are you relying too much on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's well said. Well said. Now I noticed that you like to golf mm-hmm. and a lot of fellows I know love to golf and you had mentioned how amazing walking is, but then I see a lot of people sitting in the golf carts. So what's, what's something we can think about there in terms of a little tip about golfing, maybe a little tip about any other kind of sport where we can easily sit on the sidelines and then do a little bit and sit on the sidelines and do a little bit. I'd love to hear your take on habits and routines around some of our lifestyle stuff that we can well, I could talk about golf for hours, but I'll I'll say that yes, I much prefer to walk when I golf. But if you're someone that you know, some of these public courses don't allow people into uh, to walk. You have to actually take a cart. They want pace of play to keep up. They, I, you know, because they're trying. It's a business, right? They got to make more money. They want to get people playing faster. And I think it's better for the game. I don't think I think um, playing faster it benefits everyone. So. One of the things I'll do is if I'm on a course and I and and we have to take carts, is I don't drive. <laughs> I let the individ, other individual drive, and then you know, every every other hole something I'll 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 walk when there's when it's the right time to walk. And so I think that's a good way to do it, especially if you're someone that you feel like you want to get some walking in on on your weekends and and you feel like you're going on a golf cart and you're just riding, getting up. And I also think at least for me, I, I stay warm and I think it's good for injury prevention. If you are walking more than you are just sitting, then getting up, sitting, it's like hot, cold, hot, cold sort of thing. Um, your joints just, you know, it, it doesn't help. Let's just say that to go from sitting and then try to swing a club. So that would be my tip for that. Was that what you were? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, I was looking for something like that. Cause I mean, I yeah. actually have quite a few patients who have had some injuries while swinging, you know, literally getting all the golf cart. I ended up in the hospital once a ER because yeah. of the golf thing. I was hit by a golf ball, totally different thing. Oh, I'm making oh. a joke, but um, there's a lot of other things that have happened, you know, that were just minimal injuries that shouldn't happened on, on the golf course. That's kind of what I'm getting at. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and having a, some type of warm up routine. I like see that with a lot of people. I, I mean, I'm warming up at least 10 minutes before, before I go to the range, before I, I actually play, you know, doing some type of movement. So that a lot of people just negate or don't do. I see that with my parents too. It's like, okay, I mean, yeah. So some type of movement routine, 10 minutes before you're going to the golf course, I think is really important. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. All right. I had to get that out about golf because I know a lot of people do love to play golf and and wanted to hear your tip there and maybe a little hack at the same time. So we've got the six month fat burner blueprint print program coming and we've got the step ladder system, six steps to lifelong health and vitality coming out as soon as this podcast comes out. Folks can find you at BrianGrin.com. Is there anywhere else, Instagram, Facebook, other social that you are more active on? Probably, you know, I mean, I'm on Instagram, I'm on, on LinkedIn, I'm on, yeah. So they can find me on there, but if they go to BrianGrin.com, um, not, uh, actually when this comes out, yes, there should be a link on there to the stepladder system book and things like that. So, um, that's a good place to start. And your podcast, 
Oh We've yeah, I forgot about, about that. that. <laughs> let's let's tell folks about your podcast so that they can, you know, women can drive their fellows over to it or listen to it themselves. Yeah, get lean, eat clean podcast. Um, and yeah, just you know, been doing it for a few years now and get guests on once a week and then also do a like a micro one, like a 10 minute um smaller one uh, on on Tuesdays. So Tuesday, Friday. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Hey, that's a great compliment to mine. I've got Wednesday and Saturday. So folks, you oh, there you up, go. You fill up your whole week with with fun, good, solid information. <laughs> Brian, thanks for coming on the Health Fix podcast. I sincerely appreciate it. You got a wealth of knowledge and definitely for us folks that are golfers and for the folks that are into that, I think you've got some special help there for all our golfers. Golfers <laughs> stay healthy. For sure. Thank Hey, Health Junkies, are you feeling just off, feeling like you're aging a little bit faster than you want to and wondering what in the world is up? Hey, I might have some answers for you and some direction. If you want to chat with me, I am offering complimentary calls right now. You can head over to Dr. Spelled Out, J-K-R-A-U-S-E-N-D.com. Take my quiz, click on the schedule of chat, and let's talk and see if we can get you in the right direction. And if I'm able to help you, I'm going to let you know. Otherwise, I'm going to help you find what you're looking for. Head over to drjkrausnd.com and check it out now. Hey, fellow health junkie. Thanks for listening to the Health Fix podcast. If you enjoyed tuning in, please help support me to get the word out about the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review, and just get that word out. Thanks again for listening.